for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is February 1st, 2022. That's right. It is February, finally, one day closer to deer season, and I'm super pumped about it. So... Today's guest is Zach Jacoby from Iowa. This was a really cool podcast. Uh, I don't want to get too much into what the podcast is about in this intro, but Zach, uh, he's been doing some crazy things in Iowa and doing them in different methods as far as like hunting kind of some urban type deer along with some private out in the country type deer, but he's been killing some some giants and uh, it's it's a pretty cool story. So that's today's podcast in a nutshell i do want to get into a couple things here we got some big things going on um partner wise that i want to get every all the information out there for you guys so you have an opportunity to pick up some of these products if you would like uh, i want to try to keep this short and sweet uh, also you may start hearing some ads being ran in the podcast and that's because we have joined the waypoint team so the waypoint network if nobody knows what it is, Waypoint has an app, but they also have um, basically a channel, I guess you could say it is. It's I don't know if you've ever heard of Carbon TV or stuff like that. It's um, The way I equated it, equate it to is it's a lot cleaner, um, better version of YouTube for hunting and outdoors. And there's short films on there. There's podcasts on there. There's TV shows on there. It's really cool. Go check them out, Waypoint. Um waypoint network so you're going to hear some ads in the podcast and yes you know it's it's getting to the point where i need to start being able to monetize some things and so i can pay to to do this i i before i thought like you know i don't need to make money at doing this to keep it running but honestly for as much time as i put in which is a lot um it is nice to see a little bit of of uh I don't know, a little bit of revenue coming back from it because, 
it's getting to the point where it's getting bigger and bigger. I love doing it so much, but there's, there's just comes a time where <laughs> I'd like to put some money in my pocket to help with tax treatment bills, help go on other hunts and everything like that. So yeah, I mean, that's why you see partners coming on board and everything. And it's not just because of the money. I don't want to sound that way because every conversation I have with my partners before becoming partners is I want to have a long lasting relationship with you. I don't want to be like a one and done type of person. I want to be able to talk about your products, use your products, and hopefully everybody listening you know, would want to check them out and possibly get them as well. I don't want this to be like a whore out session where, you know, I'm just going after the money. It does help. Trust me, it does. But uh, I want to keep this free for you guys as well, like free content. That's why I haven't went down the Patreon route. Um, I don't know if a lot of you know about the Patreon route, but, you know, there's a different level of uh, Patreons, I guess, where you basically pay the podcast for certain VIP content, which is nice. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with it at all, but I don't feel like I want to have to have you guys pay for it. So the ad space is, is where I'm headed right now. So I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's where my head's at. That's right. So with that being said, I want to get into a real quick, um, couple things. Hunter's box club. Thank you to them. Our deal is run out as of yesterday. So we did a box with them in January. They, I think they sold a lot of boxes and a lot of people got the t-shirts. So that's awesome. Thank you to them for doing that. Thank you to everybody out there that did get a box and purchase that. So that, that helps out tremendously. Uh, next Helix broadheads. I've been talking about Helix a lot. They flat out work. They're single bevel broadheads, fixed blade. I shoot the 125 grain. You can get a right or left bevel. Um, I don't know, man stainless steel steel design they come with a sharpener so you can resharpen the broadheads they flat out work they're workhorses bar none if you guys have you guys have any questions about them their website is not up yet but you can call them if you use the number 877-893-7155 you'll get a hold of bryant or tim tell them i told you to call and just ask them questions order broadheads through there if you need to if you have any questions reach out to them that way or DM them on Facebook, Instagram, anything. Tell them you heard from from me in the fall podcast. They'll hook you guys up. That's with Helix Novix Tree Stands. Again, badass brand, awesome people. They got freaking sweet gear, everything. Tree Stands, I love the Hilo. They have the Echo as well. Go check them out at novixoutdoors.com. I'm still waiting on the code. A couple people have been asking me for the code. I haven't gotten it yet, so I will get on that for sure. So short and sweet there, but go check out Novix. Lastly, Exodus. So Exodus is running a um, show season deal right now. So, excuse me, you know, trade shows are going on right now. So, you know, sorry, I got to clear my throat there. I can't talk, but and on our trade show season, uh, I did just get word of a great buying opportunity for Exodus render cameras. Those are the cell cameras, the 4G LTE cameras that send pictures and videos right to your device um, in the Scout Tech app. You can save 15% by being one of the first customers to use the code SHOWTIME, all one word, at checkout. The code will save you over $50 on Exodus Render and almost $75 off the security bundle. 
these types of savings don't come around often. So I, I'm encouraging you guys to go check this deal out. Um, if you're in the market for a reliable trail cam, please go check it out. Uh, once again, the code is SHOWTIME, all one word, to save 15% off a render purchase. Uh, they, you know, Exodus doesn't do a lot of sales, so so don't overlook this opportunity. Save the money and pick up an extremely reliable cell camera that just flat out works. It's just like the Helix. I mean, they flat out work. I'm looking at one. I just pulled my render out of the one acre and it was still running and... I mean, right now I have no deer around this area, so um, no reason to have it out, but I just pulled it out. It is a workhorse. It's been out since July, and um, they're just dynamite. So also, last thing I do want to get into, I think, uh, let me see, 200th episode. There's a couple things, sorry. 200th episode. I've recorded the 200th episode. That's going to go live next Tuesday. This is a big one. We went for a long haul. It's like a three-hour podcast in-studio podcast, but it is a badass episode. It went over really well. Um, definitely go and, and listen. To that. I'm getting sidetracked here. But did the 200th, and that was awesome. The last thing is I'm putting old uh, hunting content up on my YouTube page. So go to the fall podcast on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell notification, check out. I just put up a new hunt from 2012 where I shot a buck over a decoy here in Michigan. Self-filming was really cool. Go check that out. Just short, um, raw, digestible content. You know, like the video, comment on it. Let me know how you guys, what you guys think about it. But I'm going to start doing, I got a list of product reviews that I got. I'm going to do this year. Um, more hunts I'm going to put up. So I'm going to start populating the YouTube channel with that more and more. So go check that out as well and subscribe there. So I guess with that being said, I think I hit all my bases, which I needed to do. I'm going to try to do these reads a little more uniquely. But today I was like running a little behind schedule and I just needed to get this out. So I need to figure out how to do this a little more unique and um, more listener friendly for you guys. So I know ads aren't the greatest, but you know, I don't mind them when I hear them and that's just, I guess the way it is. So I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. Please go to iTunes and also go to Spotify. If you listen to Spotify and leave a five-star rating on both and uh, leave a written review, that'd be greatly appreciated. So with that being said, let's get over this interview with Zach. This is an awesome podcast. So thank you guys very much. And here's this interview with Zach. All right. Welcome back to the fall podcast. Today's guest is Zach Jacoby. Zach, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, you know, this is the first time you and I've ever met. I've followed you on social for a while now and kind of from a distance, just seeing what you've been doing the last couple of years and you've been absolutely killing it. Um, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. I will say it for you. You have killed some giants the last three years. And uh, I figured this is a good time to get you on and uh, bullshit a little bit, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I'm not, the, uh, I try not to be. Uh, the kind of guy that goes out there and brags a lot, but I just, I love deer hunting. So that's kind of, I just take my time and spend my time in the woods during the fall. And I guess 
big deer just like to walk in front of me, I guess. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad thing, man. I would, uh, I hope I can do that for, you know, the next 10 years every year, just big deer, just, you know, you, they flock to you. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> well, after alpha season that you've had this year, I'm thinking you got it figured out. So. That's an anomaly, man. It's I, I'm, I tell everybody, I, I don't want to overthink it because the moment, like you said, you know, you gloat a little bit or say it's like you will be, you know, hammered with like not good success for the next 10 years. And I don't want to do that. I just want to try to be humble and just say, Hey, it was, it's all luck. It is. It really is. I, I, I think the same way. Um, 2019 was kind of my, the, probably one of my best years that I'll probably ever have. Uh, the last three years have been kind of ridiculous for me, I guess. But yep. after 2019 season, I always, I told myself like, I'm going to go on a big dry spell now. Yep. And, uh, go, going into 2020, I just, uh, I had a buck that I was chasing that, you know, I really wanted to put my hands on. He wasn't the biggest buck out there, but I had history with him over the last, oh, I knew about him for three seasons and I was hunting him for two and it ended up shooting him. But just since then I've been, you know, just kind of grinding my butt off trying to chase specific deer, specific deer. And I guess they just keep like to walk in front of me. I, I don't, I don't know what I do. I can't quite figure it out, but that's awesome, whatever man. I'm doing works. Yeah. Hell yeah. Keep doing it. Uh, but I guess before we get too far into this kind of give everybody, you know, where you're from and what you do for a living. Yep. So I'm from, I born and raised here in Eastern Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Iowa area. Um, and I work for an electrical supply distribution company. I work nights. I cut a bunch of wire for, uh, a lot of these big data centers that are going up all over the place. So not nothing really too exciting. I guess the Iowa part's pretty exciting. You know, I don't know anything other than Iowa, but I guess you could say I'm, I'm pretty blessed to uh, been born and raised here. So hell yeah, man. Do you, do you hunt a lot of private? Is that what you get into there in Iowa? Is you, do you have a lot of private, I guess? Um, I've always, yeah, I've always grown up hunting private land. Um, when I first started bow hunting back in 2009, my dad and uncle actually had a lease for us to hunt on. Um, and they were pretty new to bow hunting as well. They had shotgun hunted uh, up to that point. But in 2009, they really started to get into bow hunting. So they bought this lease. And, you know, I never really knew anything other than that. And we were out there. I'm actually sitting in my office right now looking at some of the deer that I've shot over the years. You know, I started out, you know, we always knew that Iowa was the gold mine for deer. Um, but we never really could figure out how to shoot those big deer. We'd always see them on camera and stuff. So we've got a bunch of 120, 130, 140 inch deer all over the place in this office here. My dad moved out of Texas a couple of years ago and left all his deer with me. So I guess I get those get to stay in Iowa with me, but, um, yeah, we, you know, like I said, we just never really, um, kind of dove deep into hunting big mature bucks like our role was you know we want to try to shoot big mature deer and we did shoot some big mature deer yep um just probably the ones that the old bully bucks i guess you could say we sure, always caught yeah. up with i got you how how big did you say the private is that you guys are basically where you're cutting your teeth and where you're killing these bucks like how big is that piece so that piece was about 200 acres um big block of timber um and off to the east side, there's a bunch of ag, uh, rotation soybean corn every year. Um, that property, I, I really wish I still had access to that property. I don't anymore. 
but just here and there we've had uh i've had a couple different pieces of private land one of them i can still hunt i actually shot my first turkey out there so it's a that that first property that we had a lease on was about 200 acres um the other property that we kind of bounced back and forth between turkey hunting we we more turkey hunted this other property it's about 300 acres but about 80 acres of timber everything else is all cattle pasture so it's it's tough deer hunting out there especially when you go out there and there's 60 head of cattle going through this small 80 acre patch of timber um so we always kick that off of the side for turkeys and then when we lost this lease uh we kind of just had to focus our attention on that property and we killed a couple good deer over the years there um and then it wasn't until i got out of high school that um, i started bouncing around a lot more um knocking on doors getting permission on you know smaller properties i think one of the smallest properties that i've hunted to date is probably five acres of timber out in the middle of absolutely nowhere ag land. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of your like one acre that you always talk about. Yep. Um, it's just really flat ground, um, nothing but a Kirk bottom and open egg fields for as far as you can see. And, you know, the first year I hunted in there, I had a really nice buck in there. Uh, never did end up catching up with that deer. And then the next couple of years, um, I guess I was just putting too much pressure on the ground mm-hmm. and the deer just slowly started to move out of there. And once like you bumped them out of there so many times, I feel like they just quit using that property. Yeah. Do, do you, did you find that the deer were living in there or was it more of like a, when the rut phase starts to come on, like the does start to navigate towards that area and then the bucks just show up? Like how, how did you see the movement through there? So the first year that I got permission on there, it was already late season. Okay. Um, I was coming back from hunting another piece of small private land that I had and I got down early. I think it was getting pretty nasty outside starting to snow. So on my way home, I drove past this property and saw a pile of deer out there. I'm like, well, I wonder if I can't try to get permission on there. Went in there the next day, got permission from the guy. He really, really nice guy. Basically just like, yeah, go back there and shoot them all basically. Yep. Um, so I hung a stand the next morning and went in there, went back in there that night. Um, and this, I mean, I would say it was late season, but it was right before uh, Iowa's first shotgun season, which is around beginning of December. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still had a bow tag, um, went in there that night after I hung that stand, had a pile of deer come out, probably oh, 30 deer come out of this small five acre patch of timber. Wow. So you, were it's you really on the fringe then? Oh yeah. There's this big old, oak tree off the side of the property and everything was the underbrush was really thick in there so i felt like i can get up in that tree right on the edge and it worked perfectly i could see up over top of all that thick stuff and yeah the deer just started filing out and then this big buck i don't know he's probably 140 150 inch nine i think he was um slammer awesome deer um, and he was coming in, he was at like 40 yards, just about to come down this trail that would give me a perfect 20 yard shot. And he bedded down with a doe on at 40 yards and he ended up getting up and moving off. And I never did see him again. Um, the next year I went in there, I, I did a small little, just hidey hole food plot, basically, mm-hmm. um, had some good deer, nothing really that I was you know, looking to shoot. I, I passed a couple good ones in there, younger deer, three-year-olds, I think just hoping to see them the next year. And they never did show up the next year. And the deer movement kind of dwindled after that second season. So I think I just put too much pressure on them. 
Yeah. You know, that's something that around here, it's just, it's surrounded and, you know, my stuff's surrounded all ag. And, you know, once the ag's gone, it's like, I haven't got a picture of a deer in a while, you know, in the one acre. And it's really, it, it depends year to year. I mean, it's really hit or miss. I just made it to the point where I wanted does to feel safe in there. And I get does bedding in there all the time because, uh, it's it's very hit or miss. I'm not I'm never gonna hold a buck. I do know that. I I gotta face the the realistic, you know, notion that you know I'm not gonna hold a buck in one acre. But I just gotta be there when he's gonna present himself in around the rough phases. So, you know, and it's it's tough because you want to hunt. Like I got I've even got a four acre patch of timber that does the. It's basically the same thing, and you want to hunt in the middle of it, but it's so difficult. Four to five acres, depending on what it is, you could have deer bedding in it, depending on, you know, where they're at. And you could still hunt the fringe and get in a stand and not booger them, you know? So, and like, you know, like you've seen that night, but it's, it's difficult. Like, especially in Michigan, like a lot of people say you can't hunt field edges. Well, I beg the differ and you can kill pretty good bucks doing it. Um, but you got to have the right scenario. So, it's definitely difficult, and but I I love it. I absolutely. I was just telling a guy the other day. I would rather hunt farmland bucks than I would big woods big woods bucks because I like seeing deer, um, and I like yeah, to to making a move. So I've never hunted. I guess big woods deer. I mean, it depends on what your definition of big woods is. Because in Iowa, you can kind of get some big woods. I guess just big oaks. You know, you got to go a ways just to get to ag, but basically everything in Iowa is going to be some ag ground, right? Like yeah. you, you don't have to go you, maybe a half mile to the closest ag field. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I've never had the big woods setting. So I, I plan on trying to go, you know, whether I got a buddy from Wisconsin that moved down here that I might try to go hunting with, or even Michigan, you know, I just want to kind of test the waters and see really how spoiled I am in Iowa. (laughs) I think you might get slapped in the face. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you don't. I hope, uh, I, you know, I tell everybody, I I was born and raised here in Michigan. I tell everybody to come and, and try hunting Michigan. It's not for the fact of like, you know, it's really, really hard and you're going to get fall flat on your face. Not that I just want people to experience it and just see that, you know, there's, it's different. It is. I think it's good for a bow hunter to be humbled every so often while they're out hunting. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad I was, I grew up in Michigan growing up uh, with the like, want to kill a hundred inch deer. Like that's your unicorn, you know, cause wherever yep. I go now, it's like, wow, this is just not real life. You know. <laughs> well, I think I just, I just posted on Facebook the other day, kind of that there's people on Facebook are doing that like 10 year challenge kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. And I posted a deer, um, that was, you know, he's, he's a nice eight, probably 100, 110, 120, somewhere around in there. And then I posted a picture with my latest deer and it's like, just to see where I've come from 10 years, you know, 10 years ago, that 110 inch eight was giant to me, you know, still in and Iowa, then, you're saying, yep. That's awesome. And That's then, cool. and then I post, uh, then side by side, you know, you put 110 inch and then 170 inch side by side. And it's like, 
Yeah, it's only 60 inches more, but man, that 60 inches takes a lot of time and a hard, <laughs> lot of hard work to get. So, And they're two different animals. I mean, they are oh, absolutely from a two-year-old to you know a five- or six-year-old. It's a different animal. It really is. Absolutely. So cool. I mean, that's that breaks it down pretty good. Um, I basically want to get into the consistency, consistency that you've had. Like you said, you know, 10 years ago, you were the 110, 120-ish buck was a big deal to you, which is really cool to hear you say that coming from Iowa. Um, but it's all, it's all comes in stages and steps. Like I get that. Everybody gets that. And you've worked up to where you are now and you're killing slammers year in and year out. So I guess let's go back to 2019. You said that was, you know, your best year you thought was going to be, or you thought could be your best year. And, you know, I guess let's start with that year. Coming into that year, what was your resume like? I mean, were you killing a deer every so often? I mean, what by by that I mean, you know, every other year, every three years, or was it like I'm killing a buck every year? It just wasn't the caliber uh, that you really strive for. Like, how did that lay out? So up until 2019, I got to a point during high school, you know, where I was hunting almost every weekend that I could when I didn't have football and all that kind of stuff. And it was, um, a gamble whether or not I was going to kill something that year. Um, I think I, uh, like between 2017 and 2019, well, the 2016, 2000 to 2018, I think I only had shot one buck over that span of three years. Okay. Um, one was with, yeah, it was with a bow. I was hunting, you know, just some, I was just kind of trying to figure out, put my, get my feet wet in a little bit different style of hunting. Um, I guess the big craze now is mobile hunting. Um, I remember back those days I was carrying the four piece climbing sticks and an old, uh, just a big steel lock on with me, just trying to, Oh yeah. Doing the mobile hunting thing, you know, sweating my way into a tree stand. Um, and it wasn't really till 2019 that I kind of figured, I guess, figured out, mobile hunting aspect to it i was still using uh there i was using muddy stagger steps and a muddy some kind of muddy stand i can't remember exactly what it was but i was hunting this specific buck uh, i named him king as this was on a piece of city property so it was an urban hunt management program and i had earned my incentive buck tag and my goal was for this um for inside the city limits was to target a specific buck and just try to use that as my um, opportunity to trying to figure out how to target a specific buck because I feel like the city deer are going to be more predictable and you're probably going to, they don't have as many places to hide, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that was my goal was to target a specific buck. Um, Saw this buck all the way through the summer of 2019 watched him almost every single night I could pull it into this dead end cul-de-sac before work and watch him feed out in this I don't I don't even think it's hay I think it's just a grass field that they mow and it just grows up a little bit taller but him and a bunch of deer would come out to this field and feed and I'd watch him every single night and then 2019 was our first year that we actually went out west to Colorado to elk hunt so that season starts, the urban season starts around mid-September, which is odd for Iowa because bow season doesn't open till October 1st. But this urban season opens 
middle of September, close to Saturday to the 15th, I think it is. Which you can shoot bucks in the urban season then? Yep. So how yep, does that to... how does that tag work, I guess? So in order to earn a buck tag for the city, the year prior, so you have to shoot five does in a year, and that'll qualify you for a buck tag for the next season. Okay. So then you have to shoot your first doe of that season, and then you could buy your buck tag. Which it's, I say it's a buck tag, it's an any sex tag. Iowa doesn't have like specific sex tags other than antlerless. So like, for instance, when you came and shot the Hambino a couple of years ago, that was an any sex tag. So you could right. have shot a doe or a buck on that tag. Yep. And now so is, this, is this only for residents then, Iowa residents? Yeah, I, I'd say yes, just because it takes multiple years of hunting to get earn that incentive buck tag yeah i i would think so yep yep that makes sense so i found this deer i called him king he was a really nice deer he had this uh flyer off his right side g2 that kind of stuck straight out and then another uh think of it as like a elk's whale tail coming off their beam sure yep he had that on its opposite side g2 kind of sticking out so he's just a and he, i call him king because every time he come out to this field and you'd walk past a deer, all these other deer would just kind of scatter and just get out of his way. I'm like, man, he's the king of the woods. Right. So he was the biggest deer that I knew about, so I decided to target this deer. Well, come October 30th, I think, I had a bunch of encounters with them, just never could get the, um, get him within bow range. Um, October 30th, I found him one morning with a doe about five feet off of the road, just bedded down. I'm like, okay, well, I can't shoot him off the ground. I have to be in a tree, just four rules for the urban zone. We have to be five feet off the ground. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, he's, pro- he's probably locked down with this doe. He's going to be with her a couple days. I'll just get in here tomorrow morning and see if he, maybe he'll just come by with this doe. Well, I get in there the next morning, October 31st. Well, I guess I should back up a little bit. Um, so I was watching that deer all summer. Um. And after having a bunch of encounters with him, I just felt like I was putting a lot of pressure on this deer. I started seeing him less and less, but also the rut was coming. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to just lay off this deer for a little bit, go chase something else outside of the city and see if I can't get it down out there. Well, the first night that I sat in the county, um, I pulled a camera about five days prior to the 28th and had a bunch of deer on this one scrape on this northern side of this farm that I was hunting. And had some good deer on this camera. I was like, you know, I'd shoot probably two or three of these bucks on here. Um, So I went in there on the 28th. We had a snowstorm rolling in that night. So I figured it's not quite the rut yet. Bucks are starting to feel it. They're getting frisky. But this weather, I feel like it's going to just have them on their feet a little bit earlier. You know, I feel like I feel deer can kind of sense that a storm's coming. For sure. So I figured, oh, the timing's going to be perfect. It's going to start snowing like 30 minutes after dark. I feel like just the deer are just going to be on their feet like crazy. So I went in there and ended up arrowing. Um, At that time was my biggest deer, the 157-inch 10. Um, Never, I had one picture, two pictures of that deer on that northern side camera that and I've never seen this deer before. He just kind of showed up and I figured with this wind, um, I feel like he's going to be bedded on this ridge. And if he wants to scent check 
kind of this 80 acres of timber, he's going to have to come onto my ridge. Um, that's, that's if he's there and that's exactly what happened. I think he just, uh, felt that pressure coming in and he got up on his feet and I think there's a couple doe fawns, um, milling around back behind me and I had made some noise with some antlers and grunts and stuff. Just trying to cast a call out there just to see if something was curious. And yep. I think all, all the, all the stars aligned and it, he just, it just, it just happened the way it's supposed to happen, I guess. So that was in what year again? 2019 2019 okay so you kill 157 inch 10 which is a slammer dude that is awesome shot him on october 28th okay so that wasn't king then or was it that was not king that was not king okay so where does he come back into the fold so then two days later october 30th um i saw him bedded down with that doe and i couldn't really do anything that day i had to go home and sleep for a little bit um that afternoon, the wind wasn't right, so I figured, okay, well, the wind's switching tomorrow morning. I can get in there and try to hunt this deer a little bit. So I go in there that morning, uh, grab a stand while I'm going through the timber, fresh blanket of snow on the ground. I mean, it's like that really calm and quiet morning. Like you're just hearing the snow crunch underneath it. You can, it feels like you can hear everything. Yep. Um, so I grab a stand while I'm on my way into where I think I want to set up get set up and within the first two minutes of shooting hours um i can't hear anything walking i'm just kind of scanning around me and i turn around in my tree and i see this what looks like a outline of a deer with big antlers staring back up at me in the tree well this is almost downwind to me and i'm like is that a deer well then it starts walking i'm like oh that is a deer and it's a buck and it's a really nice buck (laughs) i'm like it's not king but wow, this is a great deer. Like, I don't think I can pass this deer. Well, this deer comes walking straight downwind of me and kind of gets nervous and goes back to where I first saw him. And as he gets back to this opening where he was standing looking at me, um, I had ranged it while I was walking. There was 31 yards. And he comes and stops in that opening again, broadside at 31 yards. And at this point, he's on the right side of my tree, so I, I try to film all my stuff. So I'm using a, a muddy outfitter arm, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hip high on me. Well, I can't shoot over top of this camera arm with my bow, so like I had to get down on my knees on the stand, oh, gosh. crawl underneath my camera arm, and like extend out from the tree with like putting all my weight on my tether of my tree strap. And I let I put the pin behind this buck's shoulder and let it go. And he mule kicks and takes off. And with a fresh blanket of snow on the ground, I can't can't see anything. I can't hear anything. But I felt like where I thought my arrow hit was perfect. Mm-hmm. So I give it about 20 minutes. I call my mom, call my wife. And I get down and start tracking. Well, the snow had kept falling, so the blood was starting to get covered up. And luckily, I could see where, his, where he was walking. Yep. And when I get to the spot of the shot, the reason he stopped right there in that opening without me having to stop him is he was following my trail in from where I walked. Oh, really? He was like, his tracks were in my tracks from walking in. Like he was just following my footsteps in. So then when he cut down wind and circled back around, he stopped back at where my tracks were. So I, it's, it's just weird. I, I, I can't explain it. Um, I don't know if he was just, you know, doing that as a precaution, just kind of follow to see where he could go and where he couldn't. And I think he just got caught 
off guard. And so I, tra- I tracked this buck. Um, I, and I see him through my binos and I can't believe it. So I walk up to this buck. Um, so two, three days prior to that, I shot that 157 inch 10. And now here I am standing over top of another buck that I have absolutely no idea what he's going to go. Um, he ended up going one, one seventy two and seven eights. Holy shit, dude. (laughs) So with, within three days, I killed, uh, my two biggest bucks in Iowa. Um, I just absolutely crazy. I mean, now, now you can see where I thought, you know, I was going to go on a dry spell for a couple of years. I, yeah. just, I couldn't believe it. So that was, these were both of these urban hunts or just the second one was an urban hunt? Just, just the second one. Okay. So now once you've killed one urban buck, are you done with that or? Yep. Okay. So, yep. so King is living in an urban area then, right? Yep. And it's kind of the area that I'm hunting. Um, it's kind of out of the way of everybody else. So I have a pretty good feeling that this deer is going to make it, you know, you can't say that for a hundred percent. Um, but, uh, after that, after the 30th, I never saw him again that season. Okay. So I guess I have a question for come like you've killed two great bucks. So now you can't go after King is your plan to try and, you know, kill some does now because you want to get that urban tag for next year. Is that what your plan was? Yep. So I had, I think I only had one doe tag left that season. I had killed a bunch of does already. So I sealed the deal on my last doe and got my buck tag for the next season. I'm like, okay, well now I need to figure out, you know, where King went to. I need to figure out if he's still alive, you know, it's not impossible for him to travel during the rut and get shot by somebody else. Um, so I never did end up finding where he was or see him again that season. Um, and I talked with a buddy, and he said he thought he saw some guys shed hunting that spring um, carrying out a deer that had flyers, kind of like King did. I'm like, yep. oh, great. So I kind of wrote King off. Um, come around that next, so it'd be the summer of 2020. I just kind of did my nightly routine of going out and driving around looking for deer, just trying to, it, This at this point it's June. So they're not really, really anything special yet. They're just kind of getting out towards their G2s kind of. Yep. And in velvet. And I pull into my cul-de-sac and sit there and one deer comes out that night and it's a, it's a decent buck. As I can tell, it's a pretty decent buck just from kind of his shape and uh, his body size. You know, it's a mature deer for sure. And I take a couple pictures through my phone scope and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting excited now. Like, Oh, okay. I got a pretty decent buck on camera now. And I've, I had a deer in 2019 as well that I called junior, um, really big three and a half year old eight. He probably would have gone 140 as a three year old wow. as, a, as a straight, straight eight with a split on his two, just a phenomenal deer. I'm like, well, maybe it's him. And I'm sitting at work that night and on break I'm just looking at this deer. I'm like, man, this deer looks familiar. So I'm like, could it be King? Like just the way his, his main beams are starting to shape out. Maybe. So I go to my camera roll on my phone and I pull up a picture of King last year, kind of in the same orientation of what I, what picture I took this just that night. Mm-hmm. And I put them side by side and I'm like, no way. And 
it's absolutely crazy how just the way he lines, how he was standing and where I took the picture and how he was looking at me, it was 110% King. Wow. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So after that, um, the preparations really started kicking in. I bought cell, some cell cameras just to keep tabs on him. And was he a little bigger? Did he grow at all? I think he was, so I think he was five and a half years old in 19. And I think I, in 20, he was six and a half. So he kind of, so he was a 10, he was a mainframe 10 in 2019 with a flyer off his, a flyer off both twos. And then in 2020, he ended up being uh, a nine with both his flyers off each side. So he dropped it. He dropped a four. Well, in August of 2020, we were hit with a, a storm that's called a derecho in Iowa, basically okay. an inland hurricane. We reached up to 140 mile an hour winds, straight line winds, um, and it decimated, uh, you know, a lot of my hunting properties. And I was really nervous that, you know, maybe he was laying underneath a tree and got got a tree fall on him or something. So I was really desperate in August to try to pick this deer back up to see if he made it. Well, he showed back up and he had busted off about three inches of his right side main beam. Oh, wow. So he went from a mainframe nine to basically a mainframe eight because that main beam broke right at his G4. Oh, no kidding. So his G, G4 basically is now the end of his main beam. It's kind of it's kind of funky. Yep, okay. So I started hunting this deer, had a couple of great encounters with this deer, had him at, you know, 100 yards a couple times. Um, just never could have get him really close. And then I think it was September 27th, um, I went in in the morning, um, and we had – I kind of had this deer figured out a little bit, um, kind of how he was using the property and where he would bet on a certain wind. And I went in there that morning in an area that I suspected he was betting in. And granted, uh, it's only 10 acres, so there's not much um, area that he can go to. So I feel like I have a really good chance at least seeing this deer. Well, the first, first deer that I see is him, um, and he goes – he's at like 140 yards and he goes and beds down. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get out of here and come back tonight and try to hunt this deer again. Well, we had a wind switch middle of the day and this deer had got up and shifted his bed to the other side of the property, which I figured he would do, but I still hunted him for where I, where I saw him bed down at. And he came out that night on the other side of the property. So that next morning we had the same wind as the morning prior so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back into this area where I was that morning before and set up a little bit closer to where I saw him. Um, it's getting daylight, probably an hour after daylight. I have a doe and two fawns come in. They're just kind of milling around. And then the doe and the doe fawn take back off up into the timber and bed down while the buck, the button buck is still sitting there. And he's just kind of milling around, doing what button bucks do, just kind of prancing around having a good time just happy to be here basically <laughs> yeah and all of a sudden his demeanor changes um and i'm like well that's kind of odd i'm like maybe there's another deer coming so i pick up the binos and 
There he is. There's King. Um, basically coming nose to nose with this button buck, and I'm shaking in my skin already. And <laughs> this buck, I it's pretty. It's I wouldn't say it's pretty windy that morning. Um, just enough to where he could barely hear my grunt call. But it's September 28th, and I don't know, you know, how he's going to react to right. some calls. But I feel he's the mo- he's the mi- mature deer in the area. I just got to give it a shot, right? Well, I throw out a couple grunts. He can't hear me. He can't hear me. So I just let out this gnarly, loudest grunt that I can. And he whips his head up and looks my way. And he's just like on a, on a march right straight to me. He comes oh, down to 14 man. yards. Oh. And he picks, off, he picks me off in the tree. So I'm sitting in a saddle off the side of this tree. My legs are shaking. I'm shaking. This buck's at 14 yards staring right at me. And I've got the camera on him and he's just, I mean, he's just sitting there like bobbing his head, looking straight up at me. Well, he starts to get nervous and he turns broadside and starts to head away. Well, I try drawing and he whips his head back up at me and looks at me. I'm like, oh, this buck's, he's gone. I'm not going to see this deer again. So he, he turns his head again as he's starting to go away and I get drawn back and I stop him at 18 yards and I let it fly and I, I heart shoot i mean he lets out this just gnarly growl (laughs) and i took out both his shoulders so he's basically wheelbarrow in the whole way so i shot him at 18 he was laying dead at 38 yards Um, i couldn't believe it it was on my me and my wife's first anniversary um so it's just kind of like i it was it was a morning to be in the woods that's for sure i couldn't yeah i couldn't believe it so my wife came out and we uh filmed the recovery and had some you know, kind of spent our anniversary looking over a deer that I had lost a lot of sleep over. <laughs> That's years. awesome, dude. And it's awesome that your wife's cool with all that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know if she, she probably would tell you she's not okay with it, but I don't think I'm, she's going to change my mind. So. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I guess the question I have for you is like this urban stuff. So it's 10 acres. Uh, do you know the person that owns it or how do you get permission to, to hunt all this? So, I didn't know the guy previous. So in 2019 or no. So in 2018, when I first got permission on it, I was looking at it and I'm like, man, this could be a really good spot. So I, uh, just kind of figured out, I used Onyx and I saw the property owner. Well, it was like an LLC. I'm like, well, that doesn't help me any. Right. So I kind of did some digging and found who, you know, were the partners of the LLC and, uh, found a name for the guy and found his contact information. I, you know, I just asked him, I was like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, just wondering if I could hunt on this property. And he's like, absolutely go in there and shoot them all. It's, it sounds really cool. And I had a really good relationship with, with the guy over the last couple of years. And, okay. um, it was just kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't know how no one else got permission on here. He told me I'm the first one that had ever asked. And Holy cow. Kind that's of like great. A, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the hunt had been going on for like 12 years prior to me doing it. So it's just kind of like, I, I don't know. It's the, it just, everything aligned, I guess. And just, I, I couldn't be more grateful for him letting me do that out there. And it's just, you know, it's, I've killed some of my biggest deer out there. So it, 
I, I couldn't be more grateful. That's cool. Him, so. so before we go on, what, what do you think that this, I mean, obviously urban zone is, I mean, it's appealing, obviously the, the deer, mm-hmm. look at the deer you've killed. I mean, look at the seek one guys. I mean, there's no secret. Yeah. It's there's giants. I mean, I'm sure if you go in some of these inner cities in any state, you're going to find giants. Um, what makes it so good? Like what makes that 10 acres so appealing for these deer? You know, just the area that I'm in, it's kind of a, um, it's a mixture of commercial and housing and there's really not a lot of habitat for them. So this 10 acres is kind of surrounded by a bunch of commercial properties. Okay. Um, it's got ag to the West and a lot of some more ag to the South and a big city park also to the South. So I think just the number of deer that live in the city, um, just kind of pushed those deer that were living on that property to that property. And I think they just kind of found it as a little home, I guess. Gotcha. Um, so they'd leave that 10 acres and they'd either go feed on the grass to the North of there, or they'd go out to the egg fields at night. And it's just kind of like their own little hidey hole sanctuary, I guess. Yep. No one's ever messed with them in there. And it's just, yeah, it's like, it's some of the biggest deer that I've seen in the city, but at the same time, it's like, you shoot so many does out of the city, but then all these, all, you can only shoot one buck a year and not everybody gets a buck tag. Mm-hmm. So it's the buck to doe ratio in the city is absolutely crazy. Like I think in 2020, I saw more bucks during each set than I did does. It's just, wow. it's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. So, you know, you got your first deer down for 2020. So this is three deer in two years so far, three great bucks. I mean, what was he probably, what did he score? Uh, he grossed um, with, so he had busted off a flyer as well, that flyer off his right side G2 and his main beam. Um, and he grossed right at 150 and two eights. 150 and two eights, okay. Yep. So he, you know, he, I think he went, I don't want to say he went downhill. He kind of just uh, put a little bit more mass on and he lost those G4s, I guess you could say. I gotcha. Um, and then, so fast forwarding, I was trying to shoot a buck in the county the rest of that year and just never really had any luck. I hunted a bunch, never really had any good encounters. Well, I went down to um, southern Iowa to hunt some public. Well, my grandma has, lives on a lake down there and her, I guess you could call him her boyfriend. They're not, they weren't married. They've been living with each other for like 20 years, but they lived on a lake down there and he actually owned some smaller parcels, about 40 acre parcels down there. And he was gracious enough to let me hunt down there. And I had some really good encounters with deer. Um, probably one of the biggest deer that I've ever seen. I had an encounter with he, that deer actually ended up getting killed by the neighbor. I think the week after I was there. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on how big he was, but I believe he was like 231. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Just a absolute monster. Um, but I didn't get, uh, I didn't seal the deal down there, uh, late October, early November when I was there. So I went back down after Christmas, um, had the muzzleloader with me as well as my bow, um, was hunting one of the properties I hunted in late October. And one morning over hunting over cut beans, you know, it wasn't the greatest setup, um, right along a crick line and about seven 30 that morning I had a buck 
come walking down the edge of this bean field all first deer that I've seen all day and the only deer I've seen all day. And he came to 25 yards and I center punched him too. Uh, he ran across the field and into some cedars and I couldn't believe it at this point. I was like, you know, I shot two deer last year with a bow and now I just arrowed my second one this year. That's crazy. And I got down and looked at him and you know, it's, I liked the, the chase for a specific deer, but those deer that you never seen before, they're, they're just a little bit more special. I it's think. fun. Um, it's really fun. <laughs> they, they both have their part that yep. they play, right? Like you have, you go crazy over this one specific deer that you have tons of pictures of a bunch of history with, but then you get these bucks that you've never seen before, you know, prior to 30 seconds before you're slinging an arrow through them. And I was ecstatic to walk up on this buck and, he was another mainframe eight with it's crazy. He had almost the identical flyers to King off one of his G twos. Um, but they were like, you know, 200 miles apart from where they were living. So it's just, it's crazy how that turned out, but he was yeah. another mainframe eight with some flyers. Uh, he went about 145, but I couldn't ask for anything more, you know, just going down there late season, never hunted down there before. Um, just kind of a cap for the season, I guess. Call it. I arrowed that deer, and I still had a muzzleloader tag, but at that point, I was kind of burned out from hunting all season, and I just uh, kind of hung it up from there. But that's crazy, man. And now I'm I'm guessing if I had to to crawl into your head at that point after you you know you arrow that deer, it's like it's it's you know you've got four deer in two years now, and it it almost feels like. It's too good to be true in a way. Does it? Did it feel like that? Like, man, Absolutely. like I got to pinch myself. Like, this is why it doesn't happen to people. It's the way I felt like for this year, and I'm I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, mouth, I guess. But the way I felt with this year, shooting three great bucks, is this isn't supposed to happen to a guy like me. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. So it's Absolutely. just like, so, do you think you were doing something from the previous years where when you weren't? having the success that you had now, were you doing something a little different that just started clicking? Um, yes. Uh, hunting, only hunting on the right days. Um, and mobile hunting for sure is probably the biggest aspect to it. Um, okay. not hunting the same stands every single time you go out. That was kind of like when I, when I was growing up hunting, we always had set stands and we, you know, we, someone would pick their stand they're going to. And then the next couple guys, they got to pick where their stands they're going to, right. You just kind of, I feel like everybody kind of had that over the years. No, not just pick up mobile hunting. When they first started hunting, they always had those set stands to go to. And I think once I got away from hunting those set stands is when I saw the biggest increase in success. So I was always hunting different trees and I still try to do that. I, try not to hunt the same tree more than twice, especially like I'm not going to hunt one tree and then go in there the next day and hunt that tree again. I'm probably going to move within 20, 30 yards, depending on where I saw deer movement. Yep. Okay. And then as well, I mean, um, you know, I guess you could look at deer cast or you could look at just any weather app really and kind of look at those barometric pressures, uh, the temperature, average temperature, you know, for that time of year, if it's a lower average, if the average, if the temperature is lower than the average, you know, it's probably a pretty good hint that the deer are probably going to be moving a little more. 
Um, a rising pressure, I really like rising pressures. But I also have found that you can get into a time, like if you have a cold front move in, um, and it's a, I guess you could say if it, that cold front is going to last a couple days where you're going to have like the same conditions over a pretty good stretch. Um, the middle of those, you know, stretches where that weather is kind of the same, the barometric pressure is the same. Let's say, let's just say it's a five day stretch of the same exact conditions, which doesn't happen very often. Those first two days, I never have good success. That third day is probably where I kill most of my deer if I'm shooting deer on those stretches. Really? I think I have three deer that are like that. Just okay. kind of couple, multiple day stretches of, you know, deer cast may say great, or it's just a really good cold front. The beginning of those cold fronts, I don't see really good success. And it's towards the middle of that cold front that I'll actually see success. And I don't know if maybe that's just how I hunt or my mindset and how it, I just, or it just works out that way. I don't know. Are you so a moon, are you a moon phase guy at all? Not really. I, I just really haven't dove into it, I guess. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm a lazy hunter because I don't think I am, but it, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to, um, I guess one good example would be like scent control. Uh, I don't really worry about my scent much. I don't okay. know why it is. In 2019, I quit using any scent products on my clothes. So I wear a lot of merino wool. Um, so merino wool kind of has those antibacterial properties. Yep. So I don't really worry about using sprays or ozone or i shower obviously i don't want to be a dirt ball when i go out there <laughs> yeah but i i don't know i just think i have my own little tricks that work and i i i don't know it's just i you, can't quite figure it out you, you know i i totally get what you're saying because i did the same thing you know for the longest time i felt like i needed to wear rubber knee-high boots and dude i've literally the last two years have thrown them out I don't, I don't wear them in the last two to three years. I've killed my biggest year I've ever killed in any state. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I don't do that anymore. I wear leather lace up hiking boots because they're more comfortable. And you know, my feet, I destroy knee high boots in a season because my feet stink. They, you know, they get on, I always tuck my camo in to my rubber boots. So it's always getting on my camel. So it's like, I feel like I'm just defeating the purpose here. So my extent of my scent control is I don't spray down at all. I haven't sprayed down and I don't know how many years, but what I do is like you, I take a shower, but, um, I wear a lot of Merino like you do, but I wear like clothes you would wear on like a mountain sheep hunt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like athletic fitting, form fitting kind of stuff. And I, I put, cedar boughs um i cut cedar boughs off and i put them in the bottom of my tubs and i wash my clothes you know because i don't have activated carbon or nothing like that in my clothes i'll wash them 10 15 times a fall you know what i mean and i do wash them with like uh like uh you know arm and hammer scent free soap yep yep and that's it that's all dude and you know and that's that that's the extent of my scent control but I totally agree well, with that because you're, for me, my morale was higher. I wanted to go hunting more because it wasn't so like, oh, I got to, you know, put it's my. It's not a chore. Exactly. It was becoming a chore. Yes. Yeah. So I think 
the biggest thing is you're probably going to be more successful in the woods if you're comfortable. So, you know, first light has nothing to do with my success, I don't think, but they're, I wear all first light basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I wear crispy boots, crispy summits. Um, and when I, like you, you were saying, like I have some stinky, sweaty feet and if I'm wearing lacrosse muck boots or whatever kind of knee high rubber boots, my feet will sweat and my feet get cold really fast. Yep. So if my feet don't sweat, then I'm more comfortable in the stand. And the thing is with, you know, my buddies call me crazy because my first light hangs on a coat rack between my kitchen and my living room. So basically all I got to do is throw my clothes on and go out the door and I don't care what the clothes smell like. And I don't know, you can call me crazy, but it, it works. Whatever I'm doing, it works. It's not so. crazy, man. It's really not. Play the wind. Anybody's going to get busted if they come downwind. It's, you know, the guy spraying down over the guy that doesn't spray down, I, I, I would like to think he's still at some point going to get busted. You know what I mean? It's And to me, I'm, I'm the same way. I do keep mine actually in scent lock like hard totes. Um, I do have two dedicated to that. But, you know, I am i don't go to the gas station and pump gas with my stuff on. I, I do not do that. But, um, yeah, I, I start doing that because I do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should. Shit, all the deer you're killing. <laughs> um, but to go in with, you know, getting busted downwind, um, that kind of brings us into my 2021 season. Perfect. Um, so we've kind of gone over where how I don't really care about scent control and that kind of that aspect of it. Um. And I get a lot of flack for not doing scent control. They're thinking I'm going to bust deer and this and that, and I'm not going to shoot big deer because of it. Well, I think my 2021 season kind of uh, throws that out the door a little bit for anybody who wants to say that. Um, starting off 2020 or 2021, um, my city property was slow. Um, I didn't really have any deer that I had seen previously that year or the previous years that I really wanted to target. So it's kind of like a toss up in the air, just waiting for something to show up. I had a deer um, in 2020 that showed up late season. That was an absolute magnum. Um, In 2020, he was a four-year-old, I believe. And he was a typical seven by seven. Wow. Um, Just big frame, uh, you know, obviously seven by seven, but he's really skinny. Um, and I named that deer Lotto because I was kind of gambling my season on that deer in the city this year. Well, him and a buck that I called Junior showed up in November, late November. Um, but we'll get back to that. But uh, this summer, I picked up a new property. It's like 240 acres, private, private land. Um, I never really put cameras out on it. Uh, I knew it was in a really good area. You know, the, the neighbors I knew managed their properties pretty well for big deer. Um, the second time I went in and hung on this property was November 2nd. And I went in there that morning after work, worked all night, was sweaty, stinky. Um, my clothes were sitting in my locker at work, so they're probably not any better. Um, was hunting. It was a northwest wind, and I was like, well, this property's got some ridges in a really thick area. So I'm just going to go sit on the edge of this thick area, blowing my scent towards like, I got back in there and I could see like, there's just a really thick, nasty patch. Like if a deer's in there, I'm not going to have a chance at seeing it or shooting it anyway. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to blow my scent there. 
and right after it was probably 20 minutes after sunrise um i picked up my antlers and i threw out a little rattling sequence and about 20 minutes after that i heard a deer walking coming straight through that thick stuff that i didn't think i'd be able to see a deer through i'm like great this deer's coming in straight downwind after i rattled like now i'm busted right at this point there's nothing i can do yep well he gets I get, the footsteps keep getting closer and closer and closer and i'm like all right well i better get ready and i look back up and here's this giant buck kind of moving his antlers through this these really it's just a really high stem count i don't know what it is in there um, i'd have to ask the landowner if he knows what it is but this deer's coming he's at like 30 yards coming through this really thick stuff and there's a trail that parallels my tree and it comes down to like 15 yards straight down the wind to me i'm like well he's at 30 now if i need to i can i can throw an arrow through him if he busts me you know if he catches my wind and stops i can try to shove an arrow through him through his chest or whatever but he never did he never did bust me i don't know if it was my thermals going up that morning he just didn't get me or what but he comes to 15 yards um and i stop him and i stop him right behind a couple twigs and i'm like well let's hope let's find an opening and i put my pin on him through what i thought was an opening and let the arrow go and i absolutely just hit my mark where i was aiming uh heart shot this deer he takes off running i can't freaking believe it at this point i i'm struggling i've been hunting for a month and a half at this point i haven't really seen any big deer and now i just stuck an arrow through an absolute giant that i as far as i can tell like i don't i haven't run camera so i don't know who this deer is really what he is i just know he's big he's a new deer you you have he's a you have no idea then Yep, and I think yeah, this deer he he must have had he must have uh, lived on this property. Um, we'll get into this a little bit later, but uh, he uh, had to have lived on this property. But the landowner, you know, after I shot him and sent pictures of the landowner, he's like, "Oh, I've never seen that deer before." Well, I get down to him and pick him up, and he's just an absolute giant of a mainframe eight. Um, just really good beams he's like 25 inch beams he's 20 21 and 7 eighths wide holy cow he ended up he ended up going 156 and 2 eighths as a mainframe eight dude what a um, hammer i just i couldn't believe i'm i still to this day think it's probably going to be the biggest typical eight that i ever shoot that that'd be a it's hard just, one to beat yeah i'm sitting i got him in my hands right now he's just i it's it's still in awe ever to me every time i hold him like i I never thought I'd shoot an eight this big before. That's and you know, crazy. it's not the biggest eight that's ever been killed, but dang, he's my biggest eight. That's exactly. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But going to the backstory of this deer a little bit. So I shoot him. Well, I had a buddy. So I put a, I a joke post out onto the working class bow hunter Facebook group page. Uh, the middle of the summer it was like in search of some garage friends. I've got bush light and deadheads to look at. <laughs> And a guy messaged or added me on Facebook. He's like, Hey, I'm moving down to that area from Wisconsin. You know, we should meet up sometime. So we, we met up and we, we hunted a little bit and we became pretty good friends. Well, after I shot this deer, I, you know, I told him, I was like, dude, I just killed a giant out there. He's like, that's awesome, man. Well, he had came down to Iowa and shed hunted the previous two years on some nape. So we had never known each other before. We became friends and it just so 
turns out that he hunts the neighboring property to the property that I shot this eight on. Really? It's just, just the way that the, it turned out, he just, it's just, it's crazy. It's like all the, the last three seasons, all the stars have aligned. And it's just like, I think I'm living in the matrix. <laughs> I was going to say. It's crazy. Keanu Reeves. That's so what he, you, your next deer should be named. Oh, Keanu. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so he's got all these shed pictures and all these sheds from the neighboring property that he's picked up over the last few years. And I was like, man, I wonder if I go through there, if I can't see if he maybe has a shed off this deer and I'm scrolling through these pictures and I find this shed and I'm like, no way. Like, no way is that shed off this buck. So I tell him, I was like, Hey, I think you have a shed off my book. He's like, okay, well I'm going up there for Christmas and I'll bring it back down and we'll compare. And he comes back down and we hold the, the shed up to the or to the skull plate. And it's just like a freaking perfect match. No way. So, now I have a shed off the deer that I've never knew before. And just, just the way the events like that, you know, he, him moving down here from Wisconsin, having a shed off my deer, us becoming friends, me shooting the deer. It's just, it's crazy. I don't, at this point, I just need to buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> I was going to say, you need a lotto ticket for sure. What to, did he have any, uh, trail cam pictures of that deer or anything? Was it living on him? So no, he didn't, he didn't really have, he didn't run cameras the previous two years until this year where he moved down here. Um, but even then he didn't have any pictures of this deer and neither gotcha. did the landowner. Um, the landowner hunts a little bit here and there, but I talked to some neighbors. They had never seen the deer. Um, you know, and I can't say they have never seen the deer, but he, cause the shed that my buddy has was a five point side. Um, he had a G4, and this year he doesn't have a G4. So they may have seen him previous years, but as far as I know, no one's seen him this year. They don't have any pictures of him this year. Wow, which, that's crazy. With how, with how thick that property is, I'm sure he didn't go very far, and he just kind of stuck in that one area. And maybe I just hung in a tree and got lucky, and he was there that morning. I don't know. Yeah. So now to this point, you've got five bucks down in three years. You're like... You know, your season, it's probably already, your 2021 season to this point is probably already like, you're good, right? I mean, you're thinking, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. good. I just killed a slammer. At this point, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to hold out for a really, either one of my targets in the city. I'd found some, I found my, uh, the buck that I called Junior from the city, big, another big mainframe, typical eight. He probably would have, uh, go gone well he was killed unfortunately i don't know there's kind of a uh weird backstory to that a little bit this deer i had passed him i've known about him since 2018 he was a i think five and a half year old deer this year really big mainframe eight um me and my buddies me and my buddy that hunts close to me were trying to target that deer um, and he ended up getting shot during Iowa shotgun season. Don't know how that happened. But <laughs> in an urban zone? Uh, in a boat only zone. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's a little sketchy. Um, I mean, the deer could have, the deer could have gone a mile and a half to a point where he would have just been outside 70 limits. Then he could have been, been shot, which I don't know, kind of tricky. I'm not going to, um, throw anybody under the bus, but the deer was shot unfortunately um and he was entered into a bow hunting comp or a 
deer hunting contest and they said he scored 170. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so you can just imagine a 170 inch mainframe eight. He's he was an absolute giant. Oh. Rest in peace, Junior. <laughs> oh, but man. then I had uh, the deer that I called Lotto show back up. Absolute magnum. I had him at 54 yards on November 24th and just right at last light. Um, I just didn't feel confident in shooting him that far with that little light. So I let him walk and I found another deer in the city that was another big mainframe eight that had about a 10, 11 inch drop time. Um, so I was really hunting hard for that deer and I went in an afternoon and that drop time buck came out about 300 yards away in a cut cornfield and was working away from me. So I was like, Oh, that's really cool to see that deer in person. Um, got a little bit of shaky camera footage with him. Um, and he went into the timber well out steps, another buck that I had never seen before. And I'm like, that's a pretty dang good deer. It ain't lotto and it ain't the drop time, but it's a really good deer. And I'm like, if that deer comes over here, it's going to be really hard for me not to shoot him. And at this point, it's December 6th, um, same day that old Austin Chandler killed his absolute giant this yep, year. Yep. So, um, you know, if you listen to that story, you, you remember how he was saying it was super cold that day, yep. and it was. It was single digits, wind was blowing 30 miles an hour. I was freezing my, my toes off in a tree, and this buck comes in to some does that are underneath me, and I'm like, man, he's really nice deer you know, good mass, really good width, good times. And he comes to 20 yards, he's broadside and I've come to full draw. And just as I come to full draw, he turns right, right to me. He, he faces right to me. He starts walking to me and I'm like, Oh, great. This buck's straight downwind facing right at me, walking right towards the base of my tree. Yep. I'm like, what am I going to do now? So I'm, I'm shooting, I'm shooting 70 pounds, 30 and a half inch draw. I'm shooting the annihilator broadheads, just really small. They're not, I think they're seven eighths of an inch in that di diameter, cutting diameter, really okay. small broadheads. Yep. I'm like, this buck's at 10 yards quartering to me. Um, I feel pretty confident that I can whack this deer and kill him. Well, I put it right on his, basically where I see, can see the ridge of his scapula, like just, you know, you can kind of visualize where that scapula is yep. in a deer. And put my pin right on him, aim for offside shoulder, kind of, you know, where I think just right behind the offside shoulder would be, and let it go. And my arrow smacks his buck straight through the shoulder blade. My arrow's sticking out a bunch, and I'm like, oh, no, did I just screw up, and did I just hit this buck bad, and I'm not going to shoot this. I'm not going to be able to find this deer. Well, he takes off running about 30 yards and stops out in the middle of a cut cornfield well i can i have another clear shooting lane so i'm fumbling around in the tree trying to grab another arrow and as i get another arrow loaded up and i range him he starts to do the death wall when he falls right down there in the field at like 35 yards and i can't freaking believe it oh my so now that so now i got this deer on the ground and i'm like well where else can my season go from here? So I call my buddy that moved down here from Wisconsin, had him come over and help me load him up. And it's another great freaking deer. Um, I couldn't be any more happier with how this season's already going. He's like, a, he's a really cool buck. He's got shorter main beams, but his, his tips of his antlers kind of 
they're just really wide. Like his his widest spread is like an inch back from the end of his main beams, mm-hmm. and he's right at twenty one inches wide. That's big. I'm looking at the picture right now. His his end of his main beams almost like they blade out, like they're kind of like yeah. blades. Yep, they don't really they don't really come back in at all. They kind of just come straight out, and he's just really super cool deer. And he went uh, 145 and three eighths, I believe, is what he went. He's a slammer, dude. Gosh, I mean, yeah, now I, you're at six deer in three years. What the hell? Six six deer in three years, and I can't. And, it's six those, slammers. That's all with a all with a bow too, and I'm like, where? What? What else could happen from here? So in Iowa, so, as a resident, you get if you can get three tags, right? If you're if you're a landowner, or no, because you get do you get three because you have that urban hunt as well. So I get a any sex bow, which is statewide bow, and then since I do this urban tag, this urban hunt, I can get another buck tag there, bow only, and then I could choose between one of the gun seasons in iowa so either early muzzleloader first shotgun second shotgun or late muzzleloader okay and at this point when i shot this city deer it was already first shotgun season so i'm like i'm not gonna hunt second shotgun um i just personally i don't i don't like being in the woods when there's um slugs flying around everywhere so i'm like i'm just gonna hold out for late season try to find a really good deer to chase like at this point i'm not gonna shoot anything that's um i'm just gonna trophy hunt at this point i'm gonna try to find the biggest deer that i can and i'm gonna only shoot that deer yep well the last day of shotgun season um i go out and i start hanging cameras back up on some properties and get home that night and just about the time i go to bed um my cell camera goes off and a buck that i had pictures of a couple pictures of here and there throughout the season um, showed back up on a county property. Um, I didn't think this deer was nearly as big as he actually is. I was thinking somewhere in the mid fifties. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, Aaron, but have you noticed that deer look smaller on cell cameras? Well, okay. So it's funny you say that cell cameras. Yes. But also night, night pictures. So yes. I have a buck uh, that showed up here and the neighbor killed him and he was like 15 inches bigger than I thought he was. Yeah. So I'm getting all night pictures of this buck and I've had some day pictures of this buck on some just regular Moultrie trail cameras that I bought from Walmart like yep. seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And he looks bigger than what he did on all the cell camera pictures that I've had of him. So I'm like, okay, well this is like, one of the bigger deer that I've ever seen on this property, same property that I shot the 157 off of in uh, 2019. I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just go try to hunt this deer. That'll be like kind of my target deer. You know, obviously if something bigger shows up, I'm going to try chasing that. But right. Um, so I can't remember what day it was the last day of shotgun season um, in Iowa. And he showed up, uh, at like 6 30 that night so within dark i had a small turnip plot on that property and he's just feeding them these turnips so i'm like cool he's there um just kind of keep tabs on him the next day he shows up again an hour closer to daylight i'm like so at this point he's within huntable he's within my huntable season 
So is this mid to later December? Is that where you're at in time frame? Um, yeah, I think I shot him on the 21st, I believe. Okay, of December. Yeah, I shot him on the 21st. So he showed up. The first time he showed back up was on the 19th of December. He showed up at 6.56, and he then showed back up again that night at 11.48 on the same turnip plot. The next night, he showed back up, scroll through my pictures here, at 5.40 p.m. on the 20th, and then again the next morning at 6.01 a.m. So now he's been on the, he's been in there the last two nights, and he was in there that morning, an hour before shooting. I was like, this deer has got to be really freaking close. Living right there, yeah. He's got, we've got, and I haven't seen this deer since like end of November. So it's been almost a month since I've had pictures of this deer. So I'm like, all right, most recent information, like I got to go in there and hunt this deer tonight. So I get in there on my way there. I'm texting some buddies and I'm like, you know, should I play it safe or should I do the old whiskey wind kind of thing and get in there and, you know, just try to get close to this deer in his bed and just throw my wind past him to see if I can't see him stand up or something. So I get in there. I opt to do the more risky of the two options. I'm trying to set up on this deer's bed while I'm sitting over top of this turnip plot. And I'm like, well, if this deer's bedded right here, I'm going to either see him stand up or he's going to be right on top of me in no time. I've got two doe fawns that come in and they're milling around in the turnips. Um, I have a possum come in. They're playing, they're like playing with this possum a little bit. It's kind of cool to watch. And this is the only day I forgot like this, the base to my tripod or to my camera arm that screws in the bottom <laughs> yep. of the camera. Yeah. Yep. I forgot that at home. So I'm like, I don't have any footage of this, which sucks. Um, but these doe fawns kind of take off. One of them gets like at the base of my tree and she's starting to get nervous, but you know, I don't, I've never seen a doe fawn blow before. So they get really? kind of nervous and they, and they work off. I just, I don't know if it's, I don't know if they, they can or they just don't. I don't know. I've never seen a doe fawn blow before. Yeah. That makes so it. I've never seen it either. They don't, they just kind of get nervous and they, they work off a little bit. Well, I look down this logging road and here comes a doe like trotting down this logging road. I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. I wonder if maybe a coyote bumped her or maybe there's a buck behind her. I don't know. And I look, I lean around the tree and I look down the logging road a little further and here stands this buck and it's the buck that I'm in there after. And I can't freaking believe it. So I'm like, all right, well up to this. So I almost brought my bow in that day with me. Um, just to, I, you know, I don't know. I figured I probably could have shot this deer with a bow. And I was like, eh, eh, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to take the muzzleloader with me. Well, this muzzleloader I have, is been giving me fits over the last two years. Uh, I've gone through like six different setups with it between different powders, different sabots, just trying to get it consistent. And I finally found one that works good, but now I'm having trouble with my primers and you can't find primers anywhere. Nope. <laughs> so I've got two things of primers and I'm like, I'm having fits. Like my primers aren't, aren't going off. Like I got to, I got to strike these primers a couple times before they go off. Well, right before I go out, I step out the back door and I just 
throw a primer on the gun just to see if it's going to go off. Maybe I'll get lucky. Yep, mm-hmm. first click, it goes off. Like, sweet. All right. I'm going to go in there after this deer. Well, here comes this deer down this logging road. And I'm starting to get freaking nervous. This doe's at like 40 yards. And she picks me off in the tree because I'm shaking like a leaf. And this buck's hot on her tail. He comes to like 63 yards. I stop him. And I'm shooting a tradition strike fire muzzleloader. So it doesn't yep. actually have a hammer. It's like a I have the same one firing pin. Yep. So I, I push I push forward the firing pin. I'm like, all right, put it on his shoulder, click. Oh no. Push it forward, click. Push it forward, click. No way. My primer, my primer clicked six times with this buck standing at sixty-three yards looking right at me. Oh my I'm gosh. Like, You've gotta be kidding me right now. And so six times and finally on the seventh one, I was like, Well, I'm just gonna keep clicking this primer and like the primer's not getting hit at all i'm like my firing pin's either frozen or it's corroded or it's just not going forward so i'm just like i'm just going to keep clicking it till either the gun goes off or this buck takes off out of here so after six times of clicking i throw it on the seventh one and put it on his shoulder and i pull the trigger and poof, i'm like okay the gun went off that's good <laughs> oh my gosh dude but in the time, in the moment, I thought I saw dirt fly up underneath him. I'm like, okay, well, did I completely miss this deer and shoot underneath him? It was like slow motion. The smoke, the wind was pretty consistent that day, and it was blowing back over my shoulder. So I, the smoke got carried off pretty quick, and I could see the dirt fly up underneath him. I'm like, did I completely just miss this deer, like this giant deer standing at 63 yards? So him and the does take off running. And they run down this valley, and I can see the does come up. Well, I don't see the buck come up, but it's pretty thick. So I was like, well, I better reload and go over there to see if I can't see hair or blood where I shot him. I get down. I I reload my muzzleloader in the tree. I get down. I go over to the spot I shot him. Absolutely nothing for hair or blood. I'm like, great. I completely missed this deer. Well, I find where the dirt kicked up at, and... I'm like, well, it doesn't look like a muzzleloader hit there. Um, but when I shot this buck, there was a doe standing back behind him, about 20 yards behind him. And as I'm starting to track, I can kind of see where the deer were running in the leaves. And I'm just kind of looking down in this bottom just to see if I can't see him laying down in there. Well, I come to the spot and I'm like, all right, well, it's getting dark. Uh, if I can't see him laying here, I'm just going to back out and come back tomorrow morning. And I look back the opposite way that I thought, I didn't think he ran this way. I thought he ran a different way. Well, I look back to where I didn't think he ran and I see a white ba- belly laying there. <laughs> so I pull up my binos and all I can see is like the hind quarter and the belly. I'm like, Oh no. Like that deer does the body of that deer does not look big. Did I accidentally shoot a doe in the moment <laughs> from, going from like pushing forward my firing pin did i accidentally get on the wrong deer that seventh time so i start walking over there and i'm like okay i can see blood now i'm walking over there and it's just getting to the point where it's dark where i can't really see anything but the white belly so i get up to it and i'm like oh no i shot a doe well there's a bunch of downed um oak trees from that storm we had in 2020 Yep. And I get up to it, and 
luckily I didn't accidentally shoot a doe. It was him. Um, I can't <laughs> freaking believe it. His, his, his antlers were buried in these, in these oak branches. And I was like, I just couldn't see him. And I pick him up and I'm like, wow, this year's a lot bigger than I thought he was. Oh my um, gosh, dude. So I call my buddies, tell them they're like, awesome, man. Congrats. And I'm like, yeah, good 150 inch deer. And they're like, are you crazy? I'm like, well, that's what I, I kind of had him as, as on, off of trail cameras. And now that I have him in my hand, he's like, he seems bigger, but I still think he's 150, maybe, maybe 160s. Yep. And they're like, I think you're crazy. I think he's bigger than that. So he ran down in the depths of hell. Um, as I'm dragging him out, I kind of, I'm, I'm dying. And Wade Boardman calls me. So I sit there and talk to Wade for a little bit. Wade from Gator, he's, I love, I love Wade. Wade's cool. Um, so I sit there and talk to him for 15 minutes and send him pictures and stuff and get this deer loaded up and go home. And I have a buddy come over and he's, I told him, I was like, yeah, he's good 150s, mid ones or one mid 150s, 160s deer. He's like, I think that deer's bigger than 160s, dude. I think you're looking at 170s. I was like, no way. So we put a tape on him and, you know, this would, he ended up being 172 and six eights unofficial. Um, so I'll take him down to the deer classic in March here and get him officially scored. But um, I couldn't freaking believe it. Um, my second 170 in three years. And he's unofficially, he's within an eighth of an inch of my other 170 that I shot in the city. That's crazy, dude. I'm looking at the picture right now and, he's got giant g4s like his fours have got to be eight nine inches i've got a tape here i can uh, because i he looks a lot like my ohio deer from this year my typical 10 that went 170 your deer just carries more mass in the tines but like mm-hmm. I, I like you know his threes are bigger than his twos like my deer you know what i yep. mean so and, and it's it's crazy fours are his fours are eight and two eights on his right side yep his three is, I want to say his three, he's got to be pushing. Yeah, they're 11 and two eights. Dude, I'm telling you, this is the brother to my deer. Like, he's so, so similar. You, like, when, so when I got him home and got him skull capped and stuff, I put him next to my uh, 172 from the city, and they are identical which is really? crazy because they're they're like 30 miles apart from where they were shot. Yep. Like incredibly like my city deer also has great fours, great threes. He's got one really great two and then he's kind of stunted on his left two, but they're just so similar and, you know, it's 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 crazy, man. I just I can't freaking believe it. You better pinch yourself. That's number 7, dude, and you've killed two boomers <sighs> in 3 years. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm going to go on a dry spell here, so I better soak up, soak it up now. Cause I think I'm going to have like a five year dry spell. I have to, Hey, let's they do it together. Going up from here. Let's do it they together. Can't keep going up from here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just want, I know what's coming. I just want it to get over. So let's just do it now. And you know, knock on yeah. wood, I don't want it to happen. So, <laughs> you know, I got a, I got an 11 month old, at, 11 month old here at home. So I've been really blessed to be able to do as much hunting as I did this year, but to have my best year yet and then 
we've got another one due in April. So next year is going to be a little bit tougher. So that I'm just going to blame it on that. If I don't kill you. There you go. Yeah. Well, dude, congratulations, man. I'm super pumped for you. I'm glad you were able to come on here and just kind of spill the beans on seven deer. We, we covered seven deer in an hour and 20 minutes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a lot of deer hunting talk, but man, I love it. Good deal, man. Well, I'm going to cut. I could talk for days about it. So. I could too. I, let's do it again. Let's, uh, how about you go Absolutely. kill two more deer in this next year and we'll do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> cool, man. I appreciate you coming on to do this. I'm going to cut this loose and, uh, yeah, I guess I'm not going to tell you good luck anymore cause you're done. So <laughs> good luck this spring on turkeys. Yeah, I'll do my best. Take the old, uh, bow out and try to get a couple more turkeys with the bow, but yeah. Good deal, man. Well, congratulations and, uh, let's stay in touch absolutely all right there you have it thank you very much zach for coming on and and uh doing this podcast man that is greatly appreciated what a story though i mean the amount of deer he's been killing and the caliber of deer he's been killing the last couple years is just unmatched i mean that's ridiculous and these are the kind of guys that i like to get on to talk about success stories that nobody's really heard of them and they're just doing crazy things so thank you guys very much i'm gonna leave it here don't forget uh, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, and uh, watch the videos there. There's only one up there right now. All my podcasts are there, but there's only one hunt there. I'm gonna start populating more and more. So uh, subscribe, so you and put the click the bell notification because if you do that, that means you'll get an automatic, um, uh, basically notification that when I put up a new video. So thank you guys very much, and don't forget we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast.